I've got good news and bad news for you guys. Today, we're wrapping up our sermon series on seeing Jesus. Um, and I don't know if that's the good news or the bad news. It depends on who you are. You know what I mean? Uh, and then the other bit of either good news or bad news is we're starting another series in a few weeks, but we'll get to hear from a handful of people that you guys don't normally get to hear from in the coming weeks, right? So that's, that's kind of an exciting thing. We get to have a little bit of a, little bit of a break from you guys. If you're tired of seeing me and especially Aaron up here, uh, then you will get the break that you've been longing for. So what we're going to do is um, I want to, to make sure that we, we send you guys out on this, ser- this sermon series on seeing Jesus uh, with some practicals and some practical steps that you can take in order to actually uh, uh, make use of it in the coming months and years, right? Because we made this resource to be a resource to, uh, to enable you uh, to get to share uh, a deep relationship with another person that's pursuing Jesus. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, just really quickly, about the whys and the hows, and then we'll move into kind of the meat of the sermon. And I did wisely prepare a shorter sermon today, having known that Ronnie was going to be talking. And that is actually true, all right? <laughs> I want to make sure that you guys did it. And that way I felt zero stress. As Ronnie actually delivered what I think we all can agree is was a visionary and extremely wise uh, and, and beautiful explanation of both communion and giving for our church. I love it. I love hearing Ronnie speak. Um, so in our church, we often say one-on-one is how it's done. You've heard me say that a lot because it's a phrase that I coined. Uh, I'm just <laughs> I told Ronnie that one of my, lo- my long-term goals uh, is to convince the church in the long term that actually I started that um, so that I can really de- just despite him. But you guys know that he did get that off of a bumper sticker, right? Like, are we all on the same page about how he got that idea? Like, not in scripture at all, just a bumper sticker? Yeah, describes our church perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, we say, we say one-on-one's how it's done, and I want to quickly just kind of define one-on-one for those of you that don't know what a one-on-one is. All right, or maybe you've lost track of what a one-on-one is. And how is it different than, let's just say, hanging out with someone or a friendship or something like that? My short answer is, I don't really know just yet. I've only been in this church for 26 years. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, that a one-on-one is just two people spending time together with some regularity in an intentional pursuit of Jesus and friendship, all right? Just two people that spend time together with some regularity, all right? doesn't mean every week. It might be in every week. It might be in every two weeks. It might be once a month. I don't know, all right? But they're trying to spend time together intentionally pursuing Jesus and a friendship with one another. And I have to point out how rare that that is, not just in the world, but especially in the Christian church, I get to do ministry with a lot of guys that are not in our family of churches and that are kind of from these bigger church backgrounds. And when I ask them the question, like, have you ever had somebody sit down with you and study the Bible with you? Or like talk to you about your own life and sins and and issues and that kind of stuff with any kind of regularity? They're like, no, no. In fact, our, our current generation thinks that's what counselors are for. Everyone needs a counselor. And they're right. Everyone needs a counselor if you don't have any kind of friendship like that. Everyone does, because then who do you talk to about stuff? 
who do you let loose the stuff that's going around in that crazy rattle can brain of yours, right? Because that's what it is. We're all nuts. We're all absolutely nuts. We're messed up and we need people to help us. The problem is that we're, we're now we've shifted to this mode where you've got to pay someone to do that. I'm not against counseling, by the way. I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Um, I'm for that in the right context. However, whenever that has become our new method of actually relating to one another and discussing our fears and our hopes, our sins, our issues, that kind of stuff, we've really, we've really gone off the rails. That's what the church is supposed to be. The church and in community and relationships is where healing is supposed to happen, where our deepest selves become known, where we actually get to share with each other what's really going on. So one-on-ones can look really different. For instance, my first kind of one-on-one I can remember, I've shared this with you guys before, is with John Von Runnen, who leads our church over in Wiley. And what it looked like was a sixth grade Garrett Davis sharing his problems with his youth minister, John. And he would come and pick me up and we'd, we'd have a Coke. We'd like drink a Coke. It looked like him teaching me how to drive a stick shift and me just absolutely destroying his transmission and doing so. With his old, you remember his old Nissan Altima that he had? Yeah, I learned on that old car at, at age 15 or something like that. That was our one-on-ones. Clearly, I wasn't providing him with a lot in that one-on-one, all right? Uh, he was providing me with a ton. I learned so much from him in that. And I, but I wasn't really providing him with a lot. But that was a one-on-one. He was developing an intentional, Jesus-centered friendship with me. And I felt like John was my mentor, but also my friend. But now today, I also have one-on-ones with people who I don't sense that I'm mentoring them in any way, shape, or form. I might know something more exegetically about Scripture or something like that, but we are friends. We're just pursuing Jesus together. And we're in meaningful friendship as well. We go on vacations together. We get to hang out. We get to talk about life and that kind of stuff as well. That's also a one-on-one. So one-on-ones can really look very different depending on who we are. We shouldn't shy away from those things too. We should have one-on-ones with people that are way older than us, people that are way younger than us. They don't have, it doesn't have to be a mentorship. It doesn't have to be anything other than two people intentionally pursuing friendship in Jesus together. That's what we're looking for in one-on-ones. And we need those both in the church, but also, and hear me say this, outside of the church as well. How will we bring people in if we only fish from our own pond? we got to stock the pond somehow, and that requires fish from outside of this current pond. So why do we do one-on-one ministry then? If you're new to this church, you've lucked out because we're talking about something that's so central to the DNA of our church that I think sometimes we miss why we do it. So I want us to take, break this third wall a little bit and, and take some time to talk about why we do this in the first place. Because, like I said earlier, it is not in Scripture, nor in, like, in terms of saying, you've got to do ministry this way. It's not commanded of you in any way, shape, or form to say, you've got to do it one-on-one. There's lots of ways to do ministry. Lots of ways to do it. You can do it in a group. You could do it two-on-one. You can do it. Hey, you can do it three on one. You might even do four on one. You might even do two on two. I don't even know. There's the, the possibilities are endless for the ways that you could do ministry. But it is the vehicle that we, as a church, have rallied around for sure. And I don't really completely understand. When I say completely, I mean even a little bit. Understand how God uses the capital C church, like the church around the world and in the United States 
to minister to the people that he's looking for to find his lost sheep. I don't understand that. All I know is I don't, I don't belittle or think poorly of churches that do it differently than us, that have different models of ministry than us, because certainly Watermark is going to reach some people that we can't reach. And we're going to reach some people that they can't reach. And that's probably a good thing, right? Because we want as many people as possible to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord, right? Amen? Right? That's good, right? So we can actually appreciate that model of ministry and also recognize that what we have is particular and unique. It seems to me that God's okay with different approaches and that he even may desire those different approaches to reach different folks at different times. Our approach to ministry is small, but it's dense. I don't know how else to describe that. It's small, but dense. It's unimpressive, but it's deeply meaningful and impactful. And it emphasizes quality over quantity. There's no doubt about it. It emphasizes quality over quantity. It's also very inefficient, I'll point out. (laughs) If you wanted efficiency, look, watch this. I can tell all of you one thing right now that's true or or a model of ministry, right? I can tell it to everybody right now, all with just saying it one time. If I want to do one-on-one ministry, I've got to tell each one of you that thing over and over and over again, just one-on-one. Think about how less efficient that that is, truly. It doesn't really emphasize big groups, mass conversions, and it's certainly not fast. One-on-one ministry is really slow, actually. It's exceptionally slow. It's also difficult and requires the most man hours. Just numerically requires the most man hours, there's no doubt. But we do one-on-one ministry here at our church because we feel called to it. We've seen God change lives through it. And we've seen him build communities, not just ours, but in our sister churches as well with it. And we're going to keep doing it because it's our DNA as a church. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I have a hard time buying into like an organizational or like a group mindset. Like I'm very keen on protecting my own mindset without necessarily buying into another one. I want to ask you personally to consider whether you've bought into this reality for our church, that one-on-one is how it's done and how we're going to do it. Have you committed to one-on-one ministry? And when I say have you committed to it, I mean not just have you committed to being willing to engage in it, but are you doing it? That would be kind of square one with understanding whether you've really bought into the DNA and the mission of our little church here. So having this model of one-on-one ministry also relies the least on a professional team of ministers to run the church, which is one thing I love about our church, right? I think Focus has something like, Brandon, how many? We've got 40-something, 50 full-time ministers? Okay, 50 full-time ministers. At Garland Northeast, we have one full-time minister, and we have a handful of other part-time ministers. And... Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. If we had the money for it and the ability, I'd be like, give me some more full-time ministers. I want to make sure that you understand that's not like our game plan long-term. All right? Uh, But I will say this, that this church requires less professional ministers because we have a lot of ministers in this church. As I look around and I see people, I'm like, they study the Bible people one-on-one. They're constantly looking for new people. They're running a small group. They do this for the church for free. And that's something that normally you have to pay an admin to do or something like that. Eileen, at the drop of a hat, whenever Jamie Ann goes out of pocket and she's our, our administrator, Eileen's like, I'll do it and do it for free. 
And actually, probably she's paying us to do it because Eileen's a really generous person. And so she's paying us to help in the church. In fact, a lot of our people that are at teen camp this week have paid to go help the teens at teen camp. So isn't that cool that we have a church that does that, that we're just filled with people that can, that can be ministers? That's so neat to me. Our staff certainly can't get time with everyone one-on-one, so we ask everyone in our church to be a minister, to develop one-on-one relationships both inside and outside the church that are in pursuit of Jesus. Ronnie talks about building the church from the ground up. I have that in my notes. We've always run this church from the ground up, and we want to keep doing that. And I think one of the main vehicles, if not the main vehicle from building or to building from the ground up is one-on-one ministry. It really is. One-on-one attention, not just for adults, not just for people who are cool and have it all looking together and look like they're high-potential people, but for our doofus sixth-grade kids like me. Whenever I was in sixth grade. Thanks, Dad. We want, I know, that's probably the only one I'll get out of him as well. So, yeah, what church puts a guy like John Von Runnen, who is just highly skilled, successful, smart dude, and they're like, you spend time with that kid regularly. And I mean, Doofus level was through the roof, all right? Whatever the normal level is, I had numerous levels above that, whatever you want to call it. That's how we build from the ground up. What struck me about coming here from our other sister churches was how consistently people are spending time with one another in this church. You guys have not abandoned one-on-one ministry. However, I do want to encourage you more and more to take what we have inside and focus it outside as well. Do this still while also doing that. That's where we need to grow, I think, the most. And I think you'll agree with me in that. We've got to focus our attention outside these walls. One-on-one isn't just about building relationships in the church. It's just as important that we do it outside the church. So we have these resources like Focus on Jesus and now Seeing Jesus, primarily for that end of bringing people into a meaningful one-on-one friendship that pursues Jesus, and it brings people closer to God and community. That's why we have these things. Are you using them to that end? And if you are not using them to that end, what excuses you from that? Why do you feel excused from using those things to that end? Why do you feel excused from engaging in meaningful one-on-one ministry? Is it that you see other people doing it? Do we have a bystander effect going on? Surely we have enough people doing this already. I don't need to as well. Or maybe my way of giving, my way of being involved in church is this other thing where I show up to church every week. Or maybe it's that I help out in the classes, which are good things, by the way. I want you to show up to church every week. I want you to help out for classes. How about with classes? But people need you. They need to have a relationship, a friendship with you as well. The, the, the ties that bind us, the strength of our church is so dependent on these relationships to where if you're not actively engaging in them, You are not helping us become stronger as a community and as a church. And furthermore, we're not inviting other people that are outside of these really narrow walls to come in and actually be a part of that as well. So time for a quick gut check, in case you haven't already. Have you been engaging in the church's mission like this? Inside the church? Outside the church? 
Whatever your weakness is in that, consider it. Consider how you're going to address it. So I want to do two things. Remind us of why we do one-on-ones, and then also give some practicals on how to do them as a way to send us off from this series. So whichever, as I said, whether it's inside or out to the church kind of one-on-ones, you feel the weakest in, concentrate on what you want to do moving forward. Okay, so why do one-on-ones? Well, besides being called to it like we just spoke about, I created five really good reasons to sell you on why we do one-on-ones, okay? And then we're going to use those whys to develop hows. And I'm going to try to sell you on how to do the why. Does that make sense? Got to have a why first, then I'll give you a what and a how. Sound good? Cool. Because everyone's always asking for practicals. And I told you guys in all my other sermons, I wouldn't give you any practicals, and I didn't. Okay, so now I'm finally going to deliver on the goods. You guys ready? (laughs) So, number one reason why, one-on-one's how it's done, why we do this. There is no better way to develop a Jesus-centered friendship. There's just not one. There's not a way to develop a better Jesus-centered friendship than one-on-one ministry. You're not going to osmosize friendship from a group of people. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to just hang out with a group of people, doing whatever, and being like, dude, do you sense that? I sense it too. We have a deep, meaningful, Jesus-centered relationship now, don't we? No, it doesn't happen like that. It actually happens from being across the table from someone, doing life with them in meaningful ways, asking them questions, actually interacting with them at a personal level. All right? Number two It establishes people in community. Why we do one-on-ones? It establishes people in community. I was talking with a a couple that just started coming to our church just this morning. And there's plenty of these stories that are like this as well. And you can go to a lot of churches and you show up and people are friendly enough, right? They're like, hey, how's it going? Hi. Hello. (laughs) Good to see you. That kind of stuff. You go, you listen to a sermon. The sermon's probably way better than what you're getting here. Sorry. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the worship is absolutely better than what we're dealing with here. I mean, they got lights and the lasers that are doing this thing that really make you sense the spirit as you're worshiping. I got nothing against lights, by the way. Griffin, whenever you're ready. Warren, you guys, if we get some lasers up here, that'd be awesome. Smoke, uh, extra points. Okay, so you can do that. And there's abs- I'm, I'm joking around about that, but there's nothing wrong with that. Because people would have said the same thing about having a fancy bass guitar up here, you know, a couple decades ago. They'd be like, do you really need that bass guitar? Isn't that a little bit much? Yeah, yeah, right? No, uh, so I'm not making fun of it in that sense. I'm just making fun of it in the sense that, that yeah, we're, we're not a, a come and be like, wow high-quality service that I just went to kind of church. If we got anything going for us, it's that we got real folks who actually do care and will get to know you, and it'll hamper you to get to know you as well, right? Like, they're probably going to bother you a little bit. If you, did, if you came thinking this was like that kind of church, you're like, golly, did you have a lot of people come up to you and just kind of like ask you questions and kind of talk to you a lot and that kind of stuff? Yes, I hope you did. You hopefully will never be able to escape our gaze. We will find you and we will befriend you. And then you will belong here. And then you'll look around at the rest of us and you'll be like, gosh, I belong with these people? And the answer is yes, you do. So yes, it helps us establish people in community. Yes, 
actually meeting real people from the church and getting to know them and sharing your life story with them will make you want to be here with these people. I know so many of you because I've grown up hearing your story, sharing with you, doing life with you, that kind of stuff. It's just really neat stuff. I want to be a part of a community that is known, that knows each other. That's why we're not devoted to building a massive church. We want to build a church that once it gets to a size where I don't really know a lot of people, let's split up and make a new church, shall we? And we've done that five times or four times. I think that's right mathematically. So we want to do that, right? Number three, why we do these. It helps us, like I said, to be truly known and seen. I'm sorry. But I don't trust people's ability to internalize what God is telling them through a sermon only. We need people across the table saying, you are prideful. Or you are mean to your wife. Or you have not been parenting very well because you're just thinking about you. And that's not something, I don't know about you guys, but because I'm just a regular selfish person... Whenever someone says something in a sermon, I have much greater ability to just tune it out or not be listening in the first place than if I'm sitting across the table from someone who is talking to me and saying this thing, which I've had that before. And it has been very unpleasant and also extremely helpful whenever it has happened. And that's the kind of church that we want to be. We want to actually be truly known and seen, not just good, but also bad. And also, maybe I should add to that, truly known and seen and loved, regardless of our junk. Because some of us in here have got like a lot of junk. I'm one of them. And we've seen people love us through it. And you can't, that's a part of the church. You can't have real church community without really knowing the people that are around you and knowing their stuff. Number four, for why, it's a safe place to learn and to ask questions. I've been a teacher for 15 years. Do you know what students are super not comfortable with? Asking questions in front of large groups of people. As my lecture sections kept getting bigger and bigger and went from 20 to 30 to 50 to 70, I began to realize something pretty quickly. The bigger number you have, the quieter they get. And that's true. So drop it down to one. There's nowhere to hide, buddy. (laughs) It's just me and you talking now. (laughs) <laughs> so I'll wait. <laughs> I'll ask you a question and then just wait. So it's a safe place, though, to ask those questions. What do you think Jesus meant whenever he said that those who seek to save their life will lose it and those who lose it for my sake will find it? What do you think it meant that Jesus said this, that? What do you think the parable of the sower is really about? What kind of seed do you think that you are? Have you ever, like, produced a harvest? What does it mean to produce a harvest? You guys get it, right? To actually have those kinds of interactions is incredibly important. And then finally, number five, it creates, one-on-one ministry creates the most reliable path to maturity. It creates the most reliable path to maturity. We don't mature without having somebody help us focus on that. Otherwise, I don't know about you guys, but I love cruise control. It is so convenient, isn't it? Man, just do life. Go do your own thing. Focus about the stuff that, you know, is fun, family, friendships, vacations in the summer, that kind of stuff. I don't know about you guys, but I do not default towards, let's run this race as fast as we can. 
and let's make it hurt a little bit, shall we? No, I need someone else to do that. As iron sharpens one iron, so one person sharpens another, is what the scripture has to say about that. It talks about not giving up meeting together and encouraging one another and spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. So now that we have those five things, I'll repeat those five just to kind of make sure that we have a cap on that, right? So there's no better way to develop a Jesus-centered friendship. It establishes people in community. It helps us to truly be known and seen. It's a safe place for us to learn and ask questions. And it's the most reliable path uh, to maturity. So how do we do those things? I got 10 minutes. I'm going to teach you really, really quick. Okay, so here we go. Number one, right? No better way to develop Jesus-centered friendship. Friendship is predicated, listen, friendship is predicated on consistency. Can I rely on you to be in my life and to care about me and to pay attention into what I have going on and vice versa? Don't just think about the people that are friends to you. What about are you that kind of friend to someone? Are you consistent? Do you text them weekly like my friend Tom does? Weekly, at least, saying, hey man, I prayed for you this morning. How is your head and your heart? And he's not doing it because he's got a a thing in his calendar, even though there wouldn't be wrong with that. He's doing it because he thinks about me. He's my friend. He cares about me. We get time together with some regularity. And he's asking me that question genuinely. And I'm like, dude, I haven't thought about how my head and my heart was until you last texted me. So let me answer that question best I can, right? So it's predicated. Friendship is predicated on consistency. Our best friends are people we can count on who show us consistent attention and care as we do the same to them. So my advice to you there is to be consistent. You guys ask for practicals? All my practicals start with B, like the word B, not the letter. (laughs) So be consistent. Get time. Again, I'm telling you as practical as I can. Get time together with people weekly or biweekly. Pick a couple people to do that with. If you've got time together biweekly with four people, that would mean that you're getting time together roughly with, with somebody. Hold on, someone do the math real quick. My brain just went absolutely haywire. Once a week? Twice a week. Twice a week, okay? If you don't have time for twice a week, okay, that's let's say two hours. Maybe three if you really want to go long, all right? A lunch break, okay? If you don't have time for that, you have harvested the corners of your field, and it's time to open up some things, okay? Four people's a lot. If you can't get time with them that week, call them. I have a friend that calls me. And my generation doesn't use the telephone for that, okay? <laughs> I don't use my phone for that, okay? Like, I use it for other things, like texting people or looking up random facts, watching the Rangers play, um, that kind of stuff, right? And so my friend will call me, and he'll just be like, hey, man. I'm like, hey, you need something? Because usually it's an emergency situation only. Am I right, you guys? Like, if someone's calling you, it's like, they need something now, right? And he needs nothing. He just calls to say hi and to ask me how things are going. And I'm like, gosh, i got to learn how to do that with people. I really do. I haven't figured it out just yet. I'm, I'm trying, okay? I've tried it a handful of times, all right? So, uh, you know, be consistent with that. Call people, text people, make time, and keep time. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, Secondly, under this point, be purposeful as well. Look for ways to connect in deeper heart-level issues. Don't just hang out. And I have to, like, we have to, like, think of a spectrum here, okay? There are the people that every time you get with them, they want to have the most deep 
meaningful conversation ever. And I'm like, man, it's been a long week. Can we not have that? Or maybe it's not been a long week. Even better, let's not have that. <laughs> I don't know. That's the way that I feel. Maybe not all of you feel that way. And if you do, if you don't feel that way, that's okay. All I'm saying is not every time you get together do you guys need to talk like you're St. Augustine of Hippo and like talk about your devotional life and your deepest fears and failures. That's okay to do sometimes, really genuinely. But more often than not, it's great to just hang out and like talk to people about what's going on in their mind right now. Just on the, like, and it doesn't have to be super deep or anything like that, which is the second point there underneath that one as well. Have fun. And I just now realize it doesn't start with B. B, have fun then. <laughs> Thank you. Be purposeful, but also be, have fun. Or you can just say be fun. That works too. In other words, be balanced. It's fine to just talk, to go do something fun. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Jesse and I got together, Jesse Wang and I got together, and we went to the golf, ran- the golf ranch and just hit golf balls poorly together. It was awesome. And we just got to talk and hang out. I don't know why we chose to do that at 3 p.m. Uh, it was pretty hot. Uh, but it was really, really fun. The race that we're in is a marathon and not a sprint. Friendships are not just about trying to like, just like Jesus this, Jesus that all the time, okay? But it, it does need to be focused on him and growing overall together with him, right? So don't neglect purposeful pursuit of Jesus, but also don't make your times together rigid. All right, number two, we talk about it at establishing people in community. And I just want to point out that I think we're all really good gymnasts. And by that, I mean, we all do a lot of mental gymnastics, when it comes to just asking someone to hang out. It's really incredibly easy, but my advice to you, if you really want to help establish people in our community and bring in people from the outside and actually get to know people is be bold and be direct. It's incredibly easy to do in terms of the complexity of it, but very hard for many of us to do because for whatever reason, we're afraid that people will get offended that we asked them to hang out with us. We're like, I would never want someone to ask me out to coffee and to ask what my life story was. That is terribly offensive. (laughs) Or they think we're a real loser if we did that. No, that's okay. People actually want that. I think people do want that. Ask the question. A personal invitation is always the best one. Ask people if they want to come to church, sure. But more than that, ask them out to coffee and talk to them about their story. And ask them just that. Ask people to tell you their story. Say, we've been working together for the last six years. And I just now realize, I don't even know your story. Why don't I just get together and have some coffee, talk about your story? Do you want to know how many ends that there's going to be to talk about that person and, and like their life and how many ends that there are going to be to talk about your faith and your life as well? It's probably about a thousand per story that I hear. Okay? But that's a great place to start. Tell them about your own story. Be as honest and open as you want them to be. Ask bold questions like, do you have any close friendships? Do you have a faith? What does your faith look like? What's your relationship with your spouse look like? What's the thing that you're struggling most with in life right now? Just things like that. Think about that. People want to be known. People want to be deeply loved and known like that. They are dying for you to ask the question. Do your best to connect with them, or sorry, connect them also with other people from our community. It's not enough to just have one connection point. If you want to establish people in a community, introduce them to other people. Get them to get time together. So getting to know people like that definitely connects them to the church in hyperspeed. Number three, it helps us to be truly known and seen. Two things here, be vulnerable and be confessional. 
Do not stay on the surface. Mix the daily with the deep, the superficial with the real. And be confessional. Little else is more powerful than someone spilling the beans to you and you saying, you know Jesus loves you still, right? He forgives you, right? You want to get better? I can help you. Let's talk about it. There's nothing like that, man. To be fully known, to have darkness that you've not shared with anybody, as James says, to actually confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. The Protestant church, even for all of its gloating over Catholicism, has really missed the boat on being confessional. We think, oh, all i got to do is confess it to God. I'm like, yeah, disobey scripture. That's fine. That makes perfect sense. You have a fine way of setting aside God's actual law, right? That's a funny thing. We need to be known. Every week I have friends that I talk to about my junk because otherwise it's going to pile up. <laughs> I don't know about how you guys work. Maybe you got to live a cleaner life than I am. I got sins, man. And I need people to hear about them. I need my friends to know them, to know me, to share it with me, and so that I can be healed and walk away from those sins. Speaking about maturity like we were talking about. Number four, it's a safe place to learn and ask questions. So be intentional. Don't get stuck doing nothing all the time. Don't just hang out and do nothing. Make a growth goal every now and then and help one another be accountable for it. Actually set it up. Be like, I really want to try this. Would you ask me about this next time that we hang out? Boom. Simple as that. Ponder and discuss things together, especially the things that you really don't want to like, let people know that you're thinking about. Right? Deep stuff, hard stuff, stuff that you're just kind of thinking through and don't really know great answers to, whether that's happening at an interpersonal level or a political level or whatever. And be friends that do that with and for one another. I have close friends who I think very differently from politically and socially and things like that. But we have it, we're safe for one another to get to kind of just talk about it, challenge each other's ideas in a friendly and loving way, and help each other think about stuff. And use resources like FOJ and Seeing Jesus to help you. And finally, number five, it creates the most reliable path to maturity. You know, certainly all the things that we've said before this make sense for this as well. But the last thing I'll just say is be creative. Be creative here. Uh, I don't know why, but the, the, one of the things I like the most about adult ministry is the concept that it just kind of keeps going. In campus ministry, it was like, all right, we've got a year or two, maybe three, maybe four, to actually do ministry. And then I don't know what's going to happen you know, with you in that regard. But I hope to know you guys till I'm a really old dude if I get there. And I hope for those of us that have those friendships and for those of us that have the possibility of friendships, I hope I'll be playing golf with Josh and Strotter whenever I'm 70 years old and still beating them just as bad as I do now. <laughs> Which is not to say not at all. So I really want to have those friendships and those relationships, but to actually continue to mature in that, we're going to have to be creative, aren't we? Let's not get stuck in ruts in these friendships and in these one-on-one relationships. Adult ministry is meant to build these lifelong friendships that sharpen us. Ask yourself if you're being sharpened in those relationships and if you are doing any of the sharpening there as well. For some, of you, for some of your existing friendships, it might be a good time to think about how you could help one another grow more and be more purposeful about how to do that. Ultimately, we need to get to a place as a church where each one of us is pursuing one-on-one friendship and discipleship with people inside 
and outside the church. I want to make sure that you heard me say that. I want to be able one day to be like, John, go. Tell me who you got and what's going on. Clay, go. Tell me who you got and what's going on. And that be our entire church. Not because there's a quota or anything like that, but because we want to be people who are about actually building the kingdom here, right? Don't, and it's not about our little church. I love our little church, but we're just one little node on the kingdom tree here, right? We want to invite people into kingdom relationships, whether they come to church or not. You know, like, are you building that with people outside these walls? Are you building that with people here? And if you're not and you want to be, talk to somebody. That's my suggestion. Talk to somebody. Ask someone to get time today. If you don't know who to talk to, come talk to me. Come talk to Aaron or Ronnie, uh, Kale, Clay, anybody that's here, Tori, that, the whole crew, right? Anyone that you've seen up here, go talk to them. Say, how do I do this? Who do I do this with? Certainly small groups is a great opportunity to get to that as well. If you don't know how to find those, they're on the website underneath the big link that says small groups. So you can find it right there if you're thinking, well, I don't know a practical next step. There it is, thenortheastchurch.com, thenortheastchurch.com. And then go to, go to the other resources there, right, uh, under small groups. I'm going to say a prayer for us and then dismiss us. Father, you are so good to us. We thank you so much just for this community that you've blessed us with. And I pray that our heart would be to invite other people into it and not to just keep it to ourselves. I pray, Father, that for the existing friendships that we have within our church, that you would strengthen them and help us to mature, Father, to grow up into the head that is Christ and to become more like Christ in our relationships every day. And I pray for for the rest of those relationships, Father, the relationships that are happening outside of this building that happen outside of our church, that you would help our church to be filled with light bringers who are looking to build connections and relationships with people, to look at Jesus together, to invite them into a friendship that's predicated on the one who has given us life in Christ. We love you, Father. We thank you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys go in peace. Have a great Sunday.